Welcome. Hi. Hey, hey Chrissy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Welcome to the playroom. Thank you. Thank you. First of all, shout out to Podmatch for this opportunity, <laughs> you know, to connect <laughs> because I don't think I'd have seen you or connected with you on any other social platform. So it's a pleasure for you to be here. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Uh, busy. <laughs> and out of calls constantly, but no complaints. I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> you know, busy is always be great. Be careful about how I say that. You know, I don't want to be like I'm busy, but it's a good thing. Busy and booked. Exactly. That's how it should be because you know during this pandemic, so much has been going on, and I think being busy right now is like a privilege because some people are bored, some people don't know what to do with their time. So, yeah, you're one of the lucky ones. <laughs> <laughs> And even with my clients, like, I'm in, like, a really fast-paced type of environment. But I definitely recognize there are some people who are just kind of stuck or there's just nothing to do. Uh, they just open my state back up. But um, I know some people still have lockdowns and some people are still laid off. It's still hard out here for a lot of us. So I get it. Wow. What state are you in? I'm in Michigan. Okay. Okay. I'm glad it's back open now. For now. They opened it before and they <laughs> shut it right back down. <laughs> so hopefully, I mean, it's, I think we're in week two of it opening back up. But, okay. you know, prayer hands. Hopefully it stays open. Exactly. Wow. Okay. Things are going to work out just perfectly. And, you know, on this podcast episode, there's a lot we're going to talk about because there is so much information that we're both going to share, especially as both of us being creatives in the entrepreneurial space. So before we even go deeper, let people know about you, who you are, and, you know, just tell people who you are, like a quick introduction so they can at least connect when you start going deep and technical with the words. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? Otherwise, they're like, who is this shit? So, <laughs> I am Chrissy, a brand strategist over at Coloretti.com. That's spelled with K. Uh, we have a creative agency, so we do websites, um, logo design, marketing strategies and campaigns. And then I also have a group coaching program that I do as well uh, for women only. Sorry, guys. But that's a different company. Today, I'm here to talk about some brand strategies. So I'm excited about that conversation. Awesome. I'm, let me even ask, why is it just women? I know you probably have a creative brand strategy or positioning, but why do you leave the men out? Because it's the same thing. I would just shout out also Abu as well, who's one of the leads out there. And he also talks about how he helps women entrepreneurs. So even with my business with clientele, I tend to see more women coming in than men. I don't know if it's an ego thing or I just don't get it. So what is your what is your story? I love that. I love that. So um, the reason why the group is just women, and I do want to at some point start a uh, male version of it, but it's just a lot of what is discussed on a lot of the mindset issues. Don't get me wrong. Men go through them too, as well. I have male clients who say some of the same um, I guess mindset issues that women have. A lot of us struggle in the same areas, but a lot of women have a lot of blocks around like what they believe their capabilities are. A lot of men are more confident naturally. A lot of men understand um, like competitiveness and it's okay for them to be competitive. 
Whereas women, they're like, oh, you know, I just want to collect my little piece of the pile over here. I don't want to bother anyone else. Mm. So there's like some, it's stereotypical, of course, because I know, I know for a fact men struggle with, I, I have no clients, especially for color addicts. They struggle with some of the same issues. Um, but this was just a way to, honestly, I started it kind of for myself. And then what it ended up attracting was people in an earlier stage of business. So then I kind of grew into the coach for the program. And just naturally, it was already for women. But I definitely, at some point, when I find like a really solid coach who can take over this one, I want to start one for men as well. Co-ed just really wouldn't make sense, just because a lot of the issues. Don't get me wrong, male can have those same issues. I don't think women will feel as comfortable opening up in a space where there are males present, because we talk about not that it's not like a topic or anything. We're not talking about like anything woman specific. But some of the challenges are like being a mother, being a single mother, um, even one of them has a new, two of them actually have a newborn, but one of them often breastfeed, like right there, like we're, we're business women, so we're still getting it done, so I just don't know that mix, I haven't played around with it, to be perfectly honest, that's my cop out, I haven't played around with it, okay. <laughs> but um, I love the question, I love the challenge though, I love it, like hey, we, we need help too, well, no one helping us, so. I'm hearing you. Exactly. Because it, it makes so much sense to see how people resonate with, with content. For example, I'm running a course right now on a masterclass actually on Pinterest. And I realize that most guys are not on Pinterest because of this weird myth. But for me, I've I've gone deeper into understanding the understanding of how do you connect SEO, local SEO with whatever your key messaging strategy is. How do you brand yourself out there? How do you use rich pins and colors? But at the same time, also understand that what you're doing is serving someone. It's solving a problem. It's not just about, oh, I know this, or this is this website to go to, like in Clubhouse. Those are great places to do those things. But at the same time, it's value that you're offering. People are going to remember how you express yourself to them. So there's this misconception about running a business online sometimes people think oh it's a scam you're just trying to start out entrepreneurship is now the new big word so how do you see it from your end <laughs> yeah um uh, as far as like startups and entrepreneurship i i'm one of those people who would like to ask real questions okay. i don't i don't think people are having like malintention when they say like i'm an entrepreneur but there are a lot of people out here me personally i get kind of i'm almost a little hesitant to say this but i get a little offended when someone refers to themselves as an entrepreneur or um, a small business owner and there's you know still not quite there yet they're pre-revenue they're still working their nine to five and the reason why that is why why it's a little bit offensive is because the kind of pressure that you have when you sustain your entire living, okay, like everything you see around me, yeah. and more, right? With the kind of pressure you have with getting that and the kind of things you go through mindset-wise, the kind of work you've had to do to get where you are, for someone to just be get their LLC and say I'm a business owner is a little offensive. And like you said, entrepreneurship is getting very, very popular. So like it's like the new... It's the new diet pill, almost like, oh, I just want to be an entrepreneur. And so you got a lot of people out here. And to be perfectly honest, not everybody is for it. I have clients who I say, maybe this isn't for you. Like, it, it, it just is what it is. And so for me, when I'm navigating in that space, don't get me wrong, I'm not going to tell anybody how to relate to themselves, but 
I tend to just ask the follow-up questions and understand what people actually are. Like, are they starting a business? Or are they, I don't even, I don't even call myself an entrepreneur. It's just too buzzworthy at this point. You know, like, yeah. everyone's saying it now. It's almost like, oh, entrepreneur, ooh. You know, I don't, I don't even refer to myself as an entrepreneur. You'll see me refer to myself as a brand strategist, creative director, which, or even a web designer, but you won't hear me say I'm an entrepreneur, even though I do this full time. This is the only thing I do to support my, myself. So I just don't, but, um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely see it trending a lot. The hashtags are going nuts. Like, yeah, it's trending a lot on social media everywhere, really. Oh, yeah, definitely. It makes a lot of sense because now I think about it when you said that people use it as a buzzword. And that just caught my attention because... Even if you do a keyword strategy right now and use entrepreneurship, the number of posts that are on there, the number of advice people are giving. So it's like, who's real? Who's not? And it, it's so sad that social media is so saturated with all this information that you don't you can't sift it out. And if you're not able to understand what your goal is, what your end goal is as a consumer and also looking from a business perspective, then. This is not for everyone. Sometimes you may have those late night calls. Sometimes you may have to, you know, skip a few meals just because somebody somewhere needs to get that stuff done. And if you're not able to do that in adequate time, then there's a there's a loophole. And most people don't yeah. see that, especially even for me, like seven years being an entrepreneurship, <laughs> if you use the word, because I've seen the struggle. I've seen the, the pain people go through. Sometimes you're on a negative account balance and you're like, how did you how did I get here? But people realize that the more tenacious you are with the goal that this is a passion rather than a sale then you're actually in for a good deal. So try and let the people know the difference between selling and marketing because people just think, oh, we got a soda bottle here. You know, there's there's much more to it. There's value, there's, there's content, there's story. So let people know what the differences are and how they can apply it to their own businesses every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I wanted to even hint on uh, what you said about the entrepreneurship being a buzzword. Even if you look at any business video, any business content whatsoever online, you type in how to start a business, you then start to make yourself a target by all these internet gurus out here, right? Yeah. You start to make yourself a target and now they're telling you how to how to sell courses to do your passion, how to sell how to sell stuff on Amazon. Like you start to make yourself a target by all these real scammy people who guarantee all of these results that don't really get you those results. So I just wanted to throw that in there because I felt like, whoa, that's definitely a point I want to hint on for sure. But the difference between marketing and selling, I mean, honestly, there's a huge difference. And a lot of people out here are thinking, oh, let me get my Instagram. Let me put up all of these posts for the month and then naturally sales will just roll in. They think that I'm going to have a business, create a website, get a logo, and boom, people are just going to come to my store and shop. And that is not how it works. As you alluded to earlier, you need to understand the problem that you're solving and who you're selling it to so that the language you use in which to sell, which is an honest that we're not even really trying to sell you, we're trying to provide value and show them that this, we understand your problem and this could potentially be a solution. We're not trying to actually sell anything because someone would be like, buy $3.99 and, and, and but wait, here's more. And you know, that's like selling. Those infomercials are actually selling. Right. But this day and age, we've all learned to tune that junk out. Like it's out of here. Soon as soon as an ad comes up and it's super salesy, you swipe on to the next one. So it's important that you understand the difference between good content marketing strategy 
and selling because those two things happen separately and sales to me is more of a one-to-one -one conversation with your potential prospects or customers and so it's understanding their individual needs and coming up with a recommendation based on whatever it is that they need does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense because now you actually take away all the fluff on YouTube and Google and actually go right into the niche and actually figure out, okay, where is my deep blue ocean strategy? Who are the people that I'm actually talking to? Where Where is the tribe? Where is the community? Are these the same people thinking alike? Because like you mentioned, you have a group coaching. Are all of them like-minded? Are all of them thinking the same thing? Or is it like, oh, no, I'm a farmer. I'm a real estate owner. And then you think about two different kinds of lines of business. By the end of the day, the goal is the same ending. It's, it's like a brand awareness, then brand consideration, and then brand conversion. So do they understand those three metrics in terms of awareness, recognition, building customer loyalty. Sometimes people may use email marketing or SMS marketing. Sometimes it may even be overwhelming. People just don't want to open an email just because they don't like it from a genuine standpoint. So how do you break those barriers so that they don't feel too overwhelmed? Yeah, so when it comes to marketing, because you mentioned like brand recognition, brand awareness, um, all of those stages, if you break these down into simplified forms, yeah. right? And I want to make one quick um correction when you're thinking about your audience it's important that instead of you thinking about like who are the people in the community i want you to think about one person okay because we are not as unique as we think we are and so if i try to attract cynthia who loves this 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 and this nine times out of ten there are a bunch of other cynthia's but the power in thinking about one person makes it much much easier it, it helps you to stop like generalizing and just really just think about her needs and naturally other people will fall into that category but when it comes to marketing if you if you boil it down to just like know and trust those three stages yeah okay no matter what we have to take people through them in order to get the sale which is the end goal right as business owners no matter how sweet we make it sound we're all trying to make money no matter what even if you're not profit like we're all trying to make money so in order to get the sale you have to get people to like you know you trust you so in your marketing strategy, just to simplify that, how am I going to get them to like me? How am I gonna get them to know me? How am I gonna get them to trust me? You just answer those simplified questions. Naturally, when you do these things, you'll build awareness, right? Because awareness is simply like, right? right? I know of this person, that's cool. That I see them, they have a social media presence. Oh, they're consistent, I like them, hmm, she's cute. You know, that that's like. And to know them is when you build that recognition. Oh, I know this is color edit because they always use the same colors or they always say the same thing or she's always using this language. I start to recognize who they are, right? Yeah. And then know is that it's building that, that loyalty, that trust. You can even um, do things like social proof. So if you uh, share like testimonials or anything like that on your social media, or on your website, or even just talking to people, you can just tell stories. Oftentimes I use my clients. <laughs> they don't necessarily like it, but I, use, I don't ne never say their names. But I use my clients in stories where I'll say my client was saying this. Yeah. That helps to build that trust and it also helps them build also that know of how you can help. So knowing is like, do they know who you are and how you help? Where trust is like, uh, it's almost like that consistency, that relationship or on a consistent basis. Do I believe they will deliver? Am I seeing them show up? When yeah. they say, I'm going to do a podcast weekly, are they going to do a podcast weekly? 
right? That's building trust, even just in those little things. People never realize that when they set these goals for themselves, that people truly are paying attention. They really are. That's true. You know, to see if you're consistently showing up. If you say you're going to be somewhere every week, be there every week. Exactly. That's one of the easiest ways to build trust, right? Because if I hire you, I know you're going to be there. Because <laughs> you, you do what you say. So. Exactly. That's a good point that you mentioned, too. Because when you think about it, I would also use know and trust together and combine that with story. Because if you don't have a compelling story that's genuine and honest, just like you said, everybody's trying to make money. But if I'm not honest with my story enough to say, this is what is going to help you get to this point because of what I've gone through and I don't want you to go through the same problems, then there's that likability where I'll, I'll pretty much take your advice because I know that I, I don't want to be this person two years from now and I can be better five years from now with the steps I take today. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And now it even brings my to the next question where I talk about cold audiences and warm audiences. And that's through the funneling stage. So through that funneling stage where people get through leads, you know, either the cost of leads, cost per click could be high or low, depending on what you're trying to do. A lot of people get those leads and say, well, I have a thousand leads. Okay. Did you convert one to 2% of them or did you convert none of them? So what do people do with those leads when they get them and they don't know what to do, especially when it comes to email sequencing and nurturing? Yeah. So the first thing to do with those leads is nurture them, like to be perfectly honest. And if you're like, what does that mean? Nurturing is simply just keeping the pulse. There are lots of tools out here, here you can do, depending on what you have. Let's say if you have a product, you're probably going to use more of like an email strategy um, where you're just, it could be even a mass email, but you want to try to make it sound as personal as possible. Like, again, we weed that stuff out. A lot of people, when I tell them to like email multiple times or when I tell them to use any kind of email strategy, they're like, oh, because they hate emails. But you don't hate emails, right? No one truly hates emails. What we hate about emails is how spammy they get. But yeah. I know we all have that handful of emails that we stay connected to. Like I personally unsubscribe with the quickness. Like if you're, if I give you like three or four emails, and if your content is too spammy or too often or too anything, you're out of there. But for the most part, there's at least maybe like three or four that I stay subscribed to because they always have really good content and they're really good at naming their stuff. They know their audience, which is apparently me. They know their audience, so they're speaking directly to me using good headlines, making sure I always open that email, right? So for you, let's just say if we are building a nurture sequence, in the service realm, I would say go super personal with it and reach yeah. out to that person. So let's give an example. Let's say you have a service, let's say you do coaching and you gave a five, let's say relationship coaching, yeah. you gave a five day, get your relationship from, or build, let's build intimacy in your relationship. So after that five days and your nurture sequence is over and you say, how was the challenge and blah, blah, blah. I want you to reach out to that person maybe a week later, two weeks later and say, Hey, I saw you as you take my, took my challenge. How did that go? I personally want to know how it went. Also, give me your spouse's name. When you make it super personal like that, they're most likely going to respond. Right. If you just say something super generic, they're going to just think it's a mass email. I send, matter of fact, I send, I've had this happen at least twice now. Um, I've sent emails to people and they've, and they've been like, oh, I thought that was a mass email. I'm like, no, that was actually me emailing you directly. People are so used to it 
depending on how it sounds and stuff, they just think that you're really not interested. But I literally try to be as specific as possible in my email so that they can clearly see it's not mass. So if you're a service, follow up with them one-on-one and just ask them a specific uh, question. Even let's just say if you had a consultation even and they shared the dog's birthday, you know, is in three days. You can just put that in your CRM, your client relationship manager, and follow up with them and say, how was little Rinky's birthday? You know, those things truly matter. Because people have told me all the time, like, how do you remember all this stuff? I don't. My mind fails me. <laughs> but I rely on a really good CRM to help me manage all of my leads, all of my clients. And honestly, the best quote I've heard in sales is the fortune is in the follow-up. Simply following up with those leads will naturally keep you top of mind, right? Because no always in sales does not mean no. It means not yet, not right now. Right. Right? Because even if they hire someone else, they could have, and this has happened multiple times, they could hire another designer or another creative firm and have terrible results. And they're so stressed out and so scared. And say you were a runner-up, but they're so stressed from the past experience, they're trying to leave this thing and just put it on the back burner. But you just so happen to slide into their email inbox and say, hey, how was your project? I'm quick to be like, say you go with someone else, I'm quick to say, how was that? I'd love to see a link and give you some feedback. And sometimes, or most times, to be perfectly honest, it's either not done yet or um, the project ended abruptly for some other reason. Yeah. Or maybe it did end and I'll give really valuable feedback and then they're like, oh, wow. And then that's honestly how I get a lot of my consulting clients because they're like, I need you on my team. You got a different eye. So it's important to follow up on a very consistent basis. That is the best piece of advice I can give you, even when it comes to products, right? How many times, I'm sure, like you got a shirt on, I got a shirt on. Did they send us a message and say, hey, how's that shirt feeling on you? It feel good? You like that cotton? You know, they didn't do that. <laughs> but if they did, I bet you'd buy some more shirts. Exactly. That's you true. Know, if you knew that they actually cared, you'd buy more. Oh yeah, most definitely. I like the fact that you mentioned that because now you see that there's a relationship being built and it's like nurturing a baby. You know, you don't want to give a baby steak. You know, it, it's just not right because you want to give that person you want to give that person everything they need at that time so they can grow within their time and then build from that time and then get into that space where they, we can now actually speak the same language. Because if I speak the same language with you, when you know as good as I know, then you'll be like, oh, okay, now I understand what you meant. Now we're getting more technical. And that's where the fun actually happens because sometimes people may not know. Us, like probably five years ago, we didn't know what we know now. So we shouldn't feel like the person that is starting today should feel like, oh man, these guys are too far ahead. No, everybody starts somewhere. And the farther you're able to make those steps, the longer you're able to stay consistent. And that builds a lot of retention. And I like the fact that you mentioned this follow-up, this follow-up, this follow-up. And with follow-up, I would definitely understand that generating leads creates that... What do you call it? It's like a, it's like when you nurture someone into content that they know they need, and then you become so technical that they're like, I got to get into this. Now, how how do they end up opting in? Because sometimes either their link is broken or their website or the Wi-Fi is now acting up. You know, some things could happen. It's the Internet. So how does someone build that strong 
marketing lead strategy and you also mentioned often so i want to even even this is like a two-part question how often is often when you send an email are we talking three times a, um, a week are we talking once a week because like you said there are different channels and there are different you know creations that you can be able to create through what you'd have as a marketing channel and I definitely call it an omni-channel marketing strategy because that's how you're able to create that resilience and also build that brand. But for you, how often is often and how can they be able to market themselves through that process? That is a beautiful question. So to be perfectly honest, and you're probably not going to like this, but <laughs> it's, it depends, right? So it depends on the audience. So let's just say if we are targeting high-achieving women high professional women in corporate America at the top C-suite, you know, maybe we want to target, let's just say if they're the decision maker, we probably want to email maybe once a month because anything more is getting drowned upon things and she may miss it. And she she may also have like an admin who's screaming emails. Right. So you want to consider like who they are because a lot of times certain strategies don't work for certain people. I would personally say as a general rule of thumb, if you're working business to business, you probably want to stick around like once a week to even every every other week, depending on what stage of business they're in. And the reason why I say this is because what you don't want to happen, let me give an example actually. You can tell us someone's targeting you really easy. So for example, I just attended an event. Um, I won't say what it was called. But I realized real quickly that the event is not for me. <laughs> it was for a lot of startups in their like first um, early stages of business. And how I can tell is that they sent literally like six emails a day. And the reason why I say it's not for me because your your average working professional does not want that kind of noise in their inbox. Right. They do not want that noise. I got a lot of people emailing me. I have clients I support on a day-to-day basis, okay, sometimes hour-to-hour basis. I don't need that noise in my inbox. Whereas, let's just say, if you were um, products, though, products have a different... If you're doing consumer, consumers, of course, treat their emails differently. I encourage you all to ask the closest person to you, how many emails they have. And if they're just a consumer and not an entrepreneur, they probably have thousands. So with consumers, it's okay to email multiple times a week, you know, or multiple times even per day. Let's say you're doing like a Valentine's Day special or Black Friday sale or something around that's heavy consumer-wise, it's expected that you email multiple times. That's why I say it truly depends on the audience and also what you're emailing for. But this is again, this is again when we do those client profiles or those client personas and we understand who they are so that we can communicate to them how it makes sense. If you're if you're saying, you know, if you're trying to target high performing, high efficiency type people like me, I practice inbox zero across four inboxes right now. I have thirty one emails. So if you send me six emails in a day or even three in a week you're going to annoy me and I'm going to unsubscribe. So it just depends again on who you're marketing, right? And get really, really clear on them. Right. So there's no such thing as too much. It just depends on who. Don't you think that the headline is pretty much what annoys you before you even get into body? Because if, if you, if I'm sending you three emails in a week, but each of them have a completely different tier, is that, is that noisy or is that just, just space it out? (laughs) I like that. I like that question. So 
I, headlines always matter, no matter what. I actually just went live on Instagram about like creating headlines. They always, always, always matter. Um, so yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, thinking about the event, and I don't even remember what some of the headlines were, but I know a lot of them were like trying to invoke interest in other things outside of the event, and I just wasn't interested. So I think depending on what they are, I don't. I think one of the um, the campaigns that I'm subscribed to or whatever, I believe they actually email me like once a day, maybe, I'm not sure. Mm. But to, to your point, I think headlines do matter. Knowing your audience, again, so just because, I'm not saying just three emails, you know, never ever send Crystal three emails in a day. If you've got good quality content, you've got really good headlines, of course that goes with good quality content, then of course, please send me the information. I love information, I love learning. But it just goes back to knowing who your audience is. That's why I said there's not really like a, a super sweet number. It just really depends on who they are and do that. How is your problem or the product or service that you solve? Is it their number one problem? Because we all got multiple problems, right? I got 99 problems. But is XYZ my number one where I care that my inbox, you know, am I constantly saving and putting to, it to the side for later? Mm. I like that point you, you know? mentioned. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because now you actually focus on the problem and solving it rather than being over ambiguous because there's also a big difference between, and I was talking about this on Clubhouse recently, the difference between over-delivering and overwhelming. And those are two things that most people don't see because I may be an expert in this, but somebody has never understood what a CRM is. So you're already giving them stress before they even start the course. <laughs> so you want to be so detailed and so just easy to approach, easy to digest so that, you know, it can build that trust. And like you said, there's no sweet number. So I also think maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think even sending surveys, maybe monthly newsletter surveys to find out how frequent, you know, they can be able to receive it. Cause you also mentioned consistency over frequency. So could you touch on that a little bit more and then also build that on your platforms that you use to actually deliver that content through? Yeah, yeah, so consistency over frequency, that's a cross-platform, right? And I always, especially in the Instagram world and in social media world, people always ask me that same question. How often should I post? It's more about frequency and showing up for the client and for the platform in order to perform well. Yeah. But to your point about um, sending like those monthly surveys or even weekly surveys to say, like, how often do you enjoy this content? I definitely recommend. But another way is to pay attention to your analytics. Pay attention to your analytics. Even emails have analytics. You can see, actually, let me rephrase. If you have a good email, yes, <laughs> um, you know, campaign creator, you can see the activity within email. It's better than just open and clicks, but you can see what links are being clicked. Because guess what? Sometimes unsubscribe clicks count as a click. So yeah. depending on the email, you know, you want to pay attention to what's actually happening, the time spent on the email. You want to try to understand those um, analytics for yourself. As a strategist, I'm always pushing people to look at their analytics, but also, of course, ask your clients as well. But a cross-platform consistency is going to be key. And it almost sounds so, again, buzzwordy. Yeah. It just feels you know, it doesn't really mean anything. So I like to give practical examples anytime that I talk about this. And so consistency, what it really means is if you say you decide on a schedule that works best for you, right? So if you say, 
I work a nine to five. I'm trying to start this business and I want to provide this help to XYZ person. And based on your schedule, you can only get out, let's say, uh, seven pieces of content, right? Let's say per, let's say per month. Then you're going to say, I'm going to schedule or I'm going to post only twice a week or something like that. You're going to set a schedule according to what you can actually deliver on. You don't have to announce it to the world or anything like that. You just need to stick to the schedule because that's what matters, right? Is that you're showing up every single time and you're, you're also will do things for your psyche as well. Because a lot of times what I see with new business owners is that the commitments they make to themselves are just the ones that they tend to just kind of slack on, you know? And so that's another thing that within my group that we talk about a lot, but I even have something on my background right now. It says every commitment, every time, no excuses. And that's because even in the little things, when you say what you, what you, or when you do what you say you will do, there's so much power in that. So much power in it. Even outside of from a client perspective, but just as a self-discipline and, um, building trust within yourself right a lot of people and entrepreneurs just don't don't trust themselves yeah right they want to throw everything up against it hey what do you think about this what do you think about that that comes from a lack of trust within yourself you don't believe you can deliver and that's most likely because of experience and history and so just doing something that's just being consistent and sticking to your own schedule will make it just feel less stressful because you won't be like, oh, I need to, you know, you don't, you don't need to post every day or send an email every day or anything like that. But just stick to a schedule. You can communicate it with your audience if you want to, if they're a community of tight that's really tight, and um, you can kind of say, here's what to expect, and give them the opportunity to kind of opt into that. Because a lot of people will, believe it or not, a lot of people, if they know what your content's like and how tactical you are, and that's the kind of style of learning they like, they'll opt in. So don't be worried about. Is this too much or too or too little? But just instead, what can you commit to? Like realistically, look at your bandwidth or your capacity, and say, I can commit to this one email and one post, and do that, and do it consistently every single week. You show up, and then what will happen is you'll get traffic, and then you can build on that. Exactly, and I also think just to add on to what you said too, people buy from people. People work with people they actually like. Like, if I don't like you, if I don't like your attitude, even though you have the best strategy in the world, I'm going to save my time and save the drama, you know, than talking to you. So it also boils down to also pricing strategy, too, because that's something that I that popped up when you were talking about consistency and frequency. Just with your group coaching, for example, there are some people that may not buy a one time course. Some people may have a, a membership. Some people may just want to have an ebook so they can just have a self-study guide. Where do you build those metrics in between there so that you're not overly pricing yourself and saying, oh, this is $19.97 and this one is you know, $99 a month. So people have this pricing strategy models that are crazy, especially the number seven. It's, it's growing now in the entrepreneurship world. So how do you bring that out to people who actually even want to be independent of themselves and create those courses or memberships? Where do they start? So it's important to, again, like understand who you're working with, because sometimes and I always want to take it a step back, right? Does he or she even learn best using a course? So I'm not a person that really enjoys courses, even though they're like the hot buzz right now. I'm not a person that enjoys it. 
Um, I'm much, I'd much rather sit through like an hour or something and be able to ask questions and have a more interactive thing than sit behind the computer and block off time and get it done. So the value of what I believe a course should be is different than someone who learns well with courses. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's, it's not so much about the wrong number. You can charge a million dollars if you want for your course. You're gonna have to work hard to find those people who won't pay for that million dollar course. But it's there will be people who value at that. If that is the way that they learn and that is the way that they perceive information, then they'll pay for it. But I never like trying to figure out like what's affordable for this person because I love to use this analogy. Love it, love it, love it. So we all know someone who everyone I've never had someone say, Oh, that's never happened to me. We all know someone who's like crying broke, right? I don't got no money, I don't got no money, I'm broke. But then we see them like balling out or buying drinks and doing this and doing that. And so that proves to us, right? And we're in the back of our head like, how much you really have money? Right. But what it really means is, is you have money for the things in which you value. If you don't value something, of course, you don't have money for it, right? right. But I like to teach people that money is abundant. Money is flowing all around us right now. Right now we're on uh, Wi-Fi. There's a signal being exchanged. You've got clothes on. I've got clothes on. You know, there's all kinds of stuff in your background, my background. There's money that has been exchanged constantly. And so it's important that entrepreneurs, especially to start, get out of that mindset that people won't pay. Because mm. they'll pay if they find value. And your job and your sole job is to get them to understand that value so that they understand. And don't get me wrong, there are certain things that you can never, ever find the value in for certain people. So the example I like to give is my aunt, right? While Nike can sometimes be like the bare minimum for a lot of us, right? Like when we think of gym shoes, like one of the first brands we think of is Nike. My aunt is not buying no Nikes. Mm. She just doesn't see the value. Even it could be $20 Nikes. It's just, it's just no value to her. Right? She'll just she just needs some gym shoes, something that's comfortable. Right. And most likely some shoes to go to church in or something like that. Yeah. So there are certain people who will never see the value, but guess what? They're not your audience and we have a mass. Okay, there's a lot of people on this planet. So it's not to get caught up on my aunt who doesn't want your products. It's more to focus on the people who do so that you can show up for them again consistently. And naturally when you have those conversations around price. You won't get those like googly eyes. Right. Oh, oh my God. You know, that sticker, sticker, sticker shock. You won't get that. Yeah. Naturally, people will just understand the value, especially if they ended up in front of you. Exactly. And you've done your, your work right. If you've done your work and they end up in front of you, they already understand the value. And one of the biggest, biggest like mindset shifts I can give to a lot of people who have consultations or anything like that. If they're sitting in front of you, they know it's a consultation, therefore they understand what you do and how you help. And so they already know there's gonna be some type of talk about money. So that should never deter you from saying your price or, or even bringing up money right then and there on the call. They understand. They are not little kids. They understand, oh, I have this issue. I'm talking to this girl or a man to see if they can help. And it's just that simple. Right, and then you talk about the money. If you want the problem solved, this is what it's gonna cost. It could be that simple. Right. But we get in our heads about stuff. Exactly, it, it gets even more complicated when somebody has the ability to make that decision, but because they, they think about the other bills they have to pay, they put you last because now it's like, okay, 
this course is going to be here forever, so I'm going to have to come back. So people have this concept of reality that, oh, I'm always going to find another source. I'm always going to find another a better instructor. So trying to balance it in the way that somebody can say, okay, maybe if you really, really want this course, maybe you can have a 30-day free trial. See what it is like about the course if you want to be part of it, that is. And then from there, you can have a subscription model that follows. And that way, you can give me feedback as a review and say, hey, I didn't like how you taught this. Or, hey, I love how you built this strategy because I didn't think about it that way. People like to be surprised. People like that element of surprise. Or I, I thought I knew it, but now I can see it differently. So it builds that content planning. And that also leads to my next question to how do people even plan that content? Because there are so many guides, there's so many resources, there are so many chrome extensions you can name it <laughs> so how do you get to that point where someone is not overwhelmed with that content uh, so i think i, I had to teach myself this or reteach myself this quite a bit so i think as the person who does this we can often think that there's so much out here but let's just say the average joe who is just trying to figure it out um doesn't doesn't know of all the resources so mm. the first thing is just going to be to change your mindset around you know, everyone's doing it, so I can't do it. You know, if you change your mindset around that and just deliver the best thing you think that they need. And what I mean by that is, um, let's say we have a, a person who is super thirsty, right? If you can if you can write a 10-step guide on how to achieve maximum hydration, <laughs> well, how silly that might be, if I am dying of thirst, I'm going to download that, even though I can watch a million YouTube videos, and, I, and maybe I do know that those exist. Most people, most, they approach it from a mindset of, oh, there might be something in here that I don't know. So just create the guide and create it really good. And it doesn't have to be a guide, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't use it as an example, but it can be really anything. It can be a, a challenge, it can be, um, a blog newsletter you know every week you're going to give another way to stay hydrated but it, it really doesn't matter again it's all about knowing who your audience is what is their number one problem the two questions i like to say that make things like super tactical for people yeah is what's keeping them up at night right we all got problems sleeping some of us some of us sleep like a baby i, I wish i was one of those people <laughs> but the ones that don't and are trying to solve their problems what's keeping them up Right? What is what are they sitting there looking at their ceiling in the dark and saying, Oh my gosh, I am so thirsty. You know, what are they saying? Right. And then the second question is what are they Googling? Right? What are they typing into Google or YouTube University is how I like to call it. Right. What are they searching for? You create a guide for that and naturally you will attract leads. Naturally. Exactly. You just be exactly what they need. And don't worry about giving the secret sauce or anything like that. Because a lot of times, especially in the online world, most things you pay for are the things where you consume so much of the free stuff, you're like, the pay stuff got to be better, right? Right. It's got to be, right? If she's giving me all of this for free, I've got, I, had to, I had to see what the pay is like. So naturally, they're going to want more if you continue to deliver good content. Exactly. I, I believe it's also rich content because sometimes people think that, oh, if I give this gem, they're not going to buy the course. It's more so if I give you this gem, how are you going to apply it? And that's that's the whole point of the course. It's this is the blueprint. This is the strategy. 
because I can teach you all I want. I can get 500 videos on YouTube, but I've not even shown you one strategy to help you connect A to B. And that's where you come in as an instructor, you come in as a leader and being the market leader in that field, then you can be able to really stand out and be confident because sometimes people can put a price and they start shivering because they don't know who's going to pay for it. So people have to know exactly how they can do that. But also, like you mentioned, in planning your content, there has to be a call to action for everything. So some people may not even know what that call to action would be for themselves. So how do they even find that? How do you, you know, give them that planner? So I would say, if you're trying to figure out what your call to action is, you have to make two decisions on, on any given post, which is, one, am I trying to sell my product or service, or am I trying to generate leads? There's more than those two, obviously, because yeah. you have brand recognition, brand awareness, all the things, right? But you have to decide what's the purpose of the post before you can talk about any call to action. And let's say that you want to sell your product or service, which I'm gonna caution a lot of entrepreneurs on because we all, of course, wanna sell our products and services, but we have to understand who's already engaging on our platform, right? And just make sure that they're ready for that conversation, right? A lot of times you'll see at the bottom of a lot of posts, people say, I did not call to action. There's a link that says, book a consultation in the bio. You know, there's there's a link there on every single, are they even ready to yet? Like, is, is that even relating to what the post is about? So. I always like to say things that kind of, so for example, let me give you an example. So we do social media marketing and let's say we do a, I call them info carousels on four steps to planning your content. And at the end, um, we might say, instead of saying, book a consultation to get your social media marketing done for you. We're recognizing that the person reading this is probably trying to do it themselves, right? right? So I might say instead, download this lead magnet link in the bio to um, have a social media calendar or something like that. We actually have that. but Or I might say, like, get this course or free mini course on um, the four-step process and get feedback or something like that. But I'll, I meet them where they are. It's important, again, to understand your audience and meet them where they are. Because otherwise, if you start, like, saying all this other stuff, like, go, go buy this here and buy that, no one... No one's gonna do that because who are like where'd you come from? You know, you have to understand that not every single person they're not seeing your content the way you see your content. You see your content like you know. I have to teach this to my designers as well when they create some of our content. So they'll say things all the time that are in other stuff, and I'm like, how do you even know the person read that? You got to show a picture of it or something. You know, they'll refer back to another piece of content we made months ago. Right. Like that might even be a different follower, a new follower. So you got to have an idea of, so I come from like a UX background, user experience. So I'm always thinking of like the holistic approach. Mm. And so you got to think about how your content plays together. Who is the people or who are the people who are consuming your content? What stage are they in or stages are they in? So once you understand that, it becomes very easy to create your call to action because it's your natural progression. But one thing I want to point on if you're selling your products and services is that one, know what your main offer is. Don't be trying to promote so many different things, right? right. Promote every single little thing because that confuses people. And it also makes it very hard for them to uh, know you, which is the stage you want to get to, which is like knowing who you help and how you help. Right? If you tell me you do social media marketing, brand strategy, creative agency, consulting, coaching, which I do all of those things, right? But you don't see those things on my page. 
it's my page is very targeted to who we're who we're talking to and so it's important that you really decide what's your main offer or what's the main purpose of this platform that i'm on whether it's email social media uh linkedin whatever you're doing decide what the main purpose is what's the main offer on that platform and do the first step of that so if it's a consultation if it's a webinar whatever it is do that first step that should be you should be leading people to one basically the beginning of your sales funnel even though i hate talking about sales funnels because they're again so clickbaity so sell you know buzzwordy i just don't like it click funnels and sales funnels and even though they're real things um a lot of people in niche i don't like that word either <laughs> a lot of, you haven't heard me say that even though i've been talking about knowing your audience a lot i have refrained from using the word niche yeah so and just a lot of people misuse the terms and because everyone's familiar with them now they're just kind of slapping them on anything to you know get interest but um but yeah so to to generalize it know who your audience is pick your cost of action based on the purpose of the post and the purpose of the platform and if it is to sell understand what your main offer is and create whatever that first step is of your main offer that first step of your lead cycle or your sales funnel if it's a consultation if it's a webinar let that be your call to action naturally i believe so too that's that's a really strong point that you mentioned because once people understand who you are and like what you do then you're able to build that connection and then give them that incentive that I'm here for you. I'm here to help you. I'm not trying to be the guru of this social media marketing space. What if all the social media platforms go away? What are you going to be talking about? Do you have an email list? Do you have do you have a subscription? Do you have a base? Do you have a fan base? You know, those are things that people should be thinking about. And even speaking about social media channels and you know like you said you just went live recently tell people about your workshop because i really want to know more about that that's coming up in march so in march at the end of march i believe it is the 24th um it's a wednesday in march but there'll be information in my instagram Uh, we just actually are opening up the registration tomorrow actually and so what the workshop is is content planning like a boss and this will teach you my four-step process to get your content done so a lot of the content you're seeing on my page we made months ago right so we strive to be at least three months advanced even though it's very trendy even though it's very um relevant to today like you still see us post on the holidays relevant hashtags all that stuff we still plan it out three months in advance and we batch create three months in advance And so teaching people, and I believe in this because as an entrepreneur, again, marketing is less important than sales. If marketing can help you generate leads and build that recognition and all that stuff we talked about in the beginning, great. So now it's, it's let's focus our time and energy day to day, week to week on how we nurture those leads, how we set up follow-ups, right? Because a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about today about sales and stuff, to the average, let's say, new business owner, it's gonna sound like a lot of work, but that's because they're spending all of their time generating content. What I find is that a lot of new business owners are hands on keyboard and something like Canva, cranking out all this content to post daily, and then they're not even responding to comments on their Instagram. Yeah. Or people are in their DMs. I've had, I had a consultation the other day and uh, with now a client and she she's like tell me because I'm telling her I'm telling her what I tell everyone is the opportunities are all around you she's like Chrissy tell me where these opportunities are she's so sassy right tell me where these opportunities are 
I'm like, okay. So I pull up her Instagram. And literally someone's on one of her posts like, oh my gosh, I need this. She didn't respond. It was like three weeks ago. Oh. I'm like, go on there, comment back. Hey, I would love to help. I sent you a DM. Have a conversation in DM. Don't just try to sell or anything. Like, understand her needs. Get to know her individually. Okay. Then she's like, oh, that's just my cousin. Is your cousin doesn't your cousin doesn't have a need? So then I go and find another one because it's not like if you ignore one content or comment and you don't know that it's there, most likely there's others. Same thing. Right. Other people engaging. So if if you auto batch and auto or automate and streamline your content marketing, you have time as a business owner to do what makes sense as a business owner, which is generate sales. Marketing does not. It's not. They're not the same. Right. You have to do what I call what I teach my clients is sales generating activities. So one of the things that I did in the early, early stages of my business is uh, with the help of a coach, I would put a um, money bag emoji next to anything on my I use calendar blocking next to anything on my calendar that had that was going to generate sales. And I encourage every single one of your listeners to do the same and you. Put a money bag next to anything on your calendar that you do to generate sales, and I guarantee you it is less than 10% of your time. And if you spend less than 10% of your time generating sales, guess what? They're not going to happen. Right. They're not going to happen. You have to generate, you have to do sales generating tasks, is what I call them, on a consistent basis in order to get that consistent income that you want. A lot of people out here are inconsistent, yet they want consistent income. How can you? That doesn't even make sense when you say it out loud. Exactly. <laughs> when you say it out loud and you really look at it, it makes no sense. So the workshop in March is really a stepping stone for you to automate that process, completely streamline it. So, and I have a template and everything that I use. I'm basically giving you guys what I do in my own business and, and what I do for my clients as well. And so that workshop will be at the end of March. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah, and if they... we might do it quarterly as well. By the way, oh, we'll see how it turns out. Okay, is this the first one? Yeah, this is the first one. This is the first of this series. We've done workshops in the past. Okay, um, but this is the first of the complete content planning like a boss series. Nice. Okay, that's great. That's great. I'm looking forward to seeing that through definitely. And yeah, if you guys are listening in, please make sure you're able to connect with Chrissy because she has so much content and value to give because there's a lot of fluff out there and in this podcast we don't bring no fluff we bring real hard facts and if you're ready to be consistent then you have to stick up to the consistency and that's how you're able to create it and you also mentioned batch processing batch creating i know there are platforms all over the world that i think i've used a couple like later i've used afi i've used Planoly. There are so many options and people are like, oh, I don't like Planoly because it's too pale pink or I don't like later because it's too blue. That's not my favorite color. So how do you <laughs> so how do you help people go through that stress syndrome without even going through the content itself? Yeah. yeah so one of the biggest tips I have when it comes to batch creating and scheduling is one to understand. So, so the way that I, I do this, well, I don't do my own content anymore. My team does it, but what the way I teach them is to avoid context switching. And so what that looks like is you're going to create all of your topics at once. We're going to talk about this in a workshop in much more detail, but you're going to create all of your topics at once, right? So you're going to have an idea and a reference for you to go about when you're creating your content. 
Then once you have that, you're going to do all of your graphics at once. Not graphic caption, graphic caption, graphic caption, or graphic caption hashtags. You don't want to do that. I'm going to talk about why in just a second. So you're going to create all of your all of your graphics. Then you're going to create all of your captions. Then you're going to build your hashtag strategy because that is really something different. You're going to build your hashtag strategy, your other tagging strategy if you're using accounts, locations, etc. We'll talk about that. The reason why you do this is because our brain naturally likes to do the same thing over and over. We want to be robots, right? We want to be, if you think about um, like automotive industry and how they did like uh, mass manufacturing, where there's people with jobs to literally put the cap on this water bottle. Right. Okay. Obviously, there's probably a machine doing it, but that machine's doing the same thing over and over again. Why? Because you can get really efficient at doing the same thing over and over again. And so if you stay in the design mindset and you design all your graphics, then you stay in the cap, the caption writing, which is copywriting. If you stay in that mindset, your, your captions are going to roll out of you. That first one might be hard. Second one might be a little bit hard. By the time you get to three, four, five, six, seven, they're going to just roll right out of you. I guarantee it. It's going to roll right out of you. And so that's why we teach that process to help you from context switching. Because every time you go to do something else, there's room for distraction. There's room to make mistakes. There's room to like basically start all over. Could you imagine having to start all over every single time you touch something versus just up the next one, up the next one, right? If I gave you 40 graphics to write captions on, it's a much easier task than if I said, I want you to build 40 different graphics plus the captions versus plus the hashtags plus this. Even when we're talking about email strategy, yeah. if you're or blogs, write all of them first before you even go into design and making them look pretty. Write them first. Do that first. Okay, batch it up. Then when we're talking about schedulers, which is a really great question, a lot of people don't know which scheduler to use or use one versus the other. I encourage you to one understand what functionality you need today. Okay, today. And I say today because depending on where you are, if you're really new in business, I wouldn't recommend you investing anything on scheduling. Because again, marketing is not something that necessarily makes you money. Right. But those sales generating tasks, though, will definitely make you money. And so when it comes to picking a scheduler, you're going to look at the features and see what, what you need. So for example, do you need to be able to do carousels? Do you need to be able to add your team? Do you need to be able to post on multiple Instagrams at the same time? Do you need to be able to post on multiple like cross-platform? Answering those questions and outside of the context of the actual tool and then looking at the tools and stacking them up, right? They all have feature pages that tell you what you get based on what you pay. So look at those pages and say, how can I get the most bang for my buck? Right? One that I recommend for a lot of new people to start if you're just getting started with content creation or content content marketing is later. That's the one that I recommend. Plan um, doesn't have as much functionality for the free version. And that's the only reason not because it, it, it is marketed towards women. I don't know why, um, but it, yeah. it definitely is. It is more girly and pink and fluffy. I don't even, my brain is not even like that. Um, regardless of what my background looks like. <laughs> um, my brain's not like that at all. I'm sure you can see my social media. It's much more, uh, it's not that fluffy type of brand. Yeah. But definitely, yes. So you're going to pick based on um, those platforms or based on your needs and look at their feature pages. 
that's great that's a great point to mention because you literally like filtered out all the platforms out there and brought it down to what is your user experience like what is your actual goal in the next three months do you have 90 posts ready or do you have two you know you have to figure out what is that goal strategy and how you implementing that and also something about your profile that really stood out the most which is something people should definitely take into is thumbnails we didn't touch on that and before we close i definitely want you to just let people know what to do with their thumbnails because it sounds like headlines and thumbnails go together but at the same time it's like what do we do here Mm-hmm. Yeah, headlines and thumbnails are literally uh, the most important piece of your content. The rest of it can literally be, I mean, you still want to provide the value, but in order to get maximum engagement on these platforms and really have your your overall engagement where it needs to be, but obviously you want to deliver value because high engagement means nothing if you can't get anything out of it. <laughs> right. But um, why they're super important is because they're, they're the first thing that people see and how they choose to interact. So let's just say if you just, you just, a lot of people like to call the thing what it is. And so like, I, I like to use clients as an example. So hopefully this client doesn't hurt me, but she has an event called virtual event for success. And upon doing just some simple, simple research, right? So I give tools in that um, live that you can use for headlines um, and for thumbnails, but just doing upon some simple research, we realized that her ideal art audience doesn't even call them virtual events. So no one who sees this will ever want to go. You know what I'm saying? They might be like interested. Oh, what's this? And maybe make an assumption. Yeah. But they're not like, oh, this is for me. Mm. And that's that reaction that you want. So you want your graphic, which is the thumbnail, right? You want your, just like if you look at YouTube, YouTube, everyone understands the need for good headlines and good um, thumbnails. It's it's like, it, it goes without saying, like you, if in order to perform well on YouTube, you have to have those things. Yeah. So it's the same thing on any platform. You're just going to take that same thing and bring it over to Instagram. Same thing and bring it over to email. We have headlines in email. What's the subject line? We also have a thumbnail somewhere. It's the first thing you see when you open it. It doesn't have to be necessarily like pretty or anything, but it should grab their attention, whatever you say. So super 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 important it's honestly something i don't see a lot of people talking about unless it's youtube right but uh it's super super key when it comes to your content uh marketing strategy yeah do you think thumbnails are are pretty much originally instagram posts because if somebody looks at your grid and they don't look at the right thumbnails they may not really like what they see or they may like what they see just based on how you were able to layer them out um do you mean like instagram layout i mean just like if the instagram already has its own grid it already has its own layout but for you when you're creating this post let's say you're repurposing content right and it's on youtube mm-hmm. and that something that you put on instagram has to be as good as is it as it is on youtube for them to actually watch because if the thumbnail is not catchy if the first line is not catchy on your instagram if you're not doing the right thing to actually provoke or invoke a question then you're not really doing your due diligence for the rest of the content that you built. Right. Definitely. Um, I would say if we're going to stack them up against each other, like YouTube versus Instagram, it's much more necessary on YouTube only for, because on Instagram, most people will see your, let's say your, cause what really matters is how your current followers engage with your content first. Right. So I have lots of videos about Instagram analytics and breaking Instagram down from a, business perspective and not so much 
you know, salesy algorithm stuff, yeah. right? Because no one truly knows that. Everyone says they cracked it. It's an algorithm. It's constant. It changed two seconds ago. It just changed again, you know? So, um, but when it comes to engagement, what Instagram's going to do is put your post out to the world, right? And then from there, they're going to see, do people, which most likely are your followers, how are they engaging with it? And if they're engaging with it, then let's send it to more people and more people and more people. If not, then maybe not so much. We'll just trickle it out there to see if others engage. But it's really important, like within that first hour, that you get high engagement. And the way you're going to do that is with thumbnails. And also, there's an engagement strategy you can use as well. But with thumbnails and headlines within your existing audience, and then also knowing the time frame that you're posting. And there are so many things that go into it. But to answer your question directly, it is really important on Instagram, especially because as you're scrolling down someone's timeline, I encourage everyone. Okay, the reason why I'm good at what I do is because I'm nosy. And so the <laughs> next time you're around someone and they're on Instagram, I guarantee you this will happen. I've never seen someone not inter interact with the program or platform this way. So if they're on Instagram, what tends to happen is they'll go on there and they will just swipe past something. That's why impressions are always double. So this is, they're going to swipe, swipe, swipe. Oh, that's kind of cool. And pull it back down. Right. right? So they're going to swipe past something and then pull it back down. So that's why that thumbnail and that headline is super important because you got to grab them. Oh, crap. What was that? Most people swipe past it first. That's why impressions are usually almost double what your reach is. It's not because, you know, people want to see it so much. It's because they're swiping past. It's just naturally the swipe is how it goes. And so with that being said, it is super important on Instagram to tighten up your thumbnails and in your headlines. That's a great point that you mentioned there. Wow. Yeah, definitely people need to rewind this, take notes, you know, connect with Chrissy, make sure you join her workshop. And there's so much people can be able to gain from you. Um, before we go, what, what are the areas... Actually, I'm going to say what are the areas, what platforms, because you, like you said, you're nosy, you're picky, and it's, it's great tactics because that way when someone sees you, they know what they're about to get themselves into. But if someone wants to reach out to you way before March 24th, how can they contact you or you know reach out to you? So one of the best ways is honestly going to be either you can book a call on my website, which is coloraddict.com, spelled with K's. Uh, I'm sure you'll put it somewhere. And then if not, you can go on my Instagram. So it's just at, you know, color addict spelled with K's again. So I'm going to spell it one time, K-O-L-O-R-A-D-D-I-K-T. And you can reach out to me, either my DMs, my team's on there pretty much. But usually if someone's talking directly to me, they will message me and let me know. But I try to stay up on my DMs, but they get a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, not all the time. Um, but if you want to reach out to me directly, the best thing is to just get some time on my calendar. Um, but yeah, really, we're on most platforms. And I mean, we check everything. We always respond to comments. We always respond to questions. I'm an open book. You can even shoot me an email at designs at coloring.com. Oftentimes when people have really quick questions, I'll jump on something like Loom and record a video and just send it right on to them. So, and nice. there's usually not a fee attached, by the way. So I'm, I'm an open book when it comes to answering questions. I really want to remove obstacles from new entrepreneurs so that I can just, you know, it, I, it doesn't take me anything. It takes me like five minutes. The same time it would take me to respond to an email, I can jump on camera and show you something and then just send it. 
So I love to do that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Chrissy, for joining the Playroom. It has been an honor and a pleasure spending about an hour with you. It, it's just amazing. This is content that definitely is going to stand the test of time. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to be here. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs>